Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and joining me this week, I've been sending him direct messages asking to see his Elden Ring. He's like, I don't want to show you my Elden Ring. That's my own Elden Ring. I'm not showing. But would you like to see my Forbidden West? I was like, yeah, do you know what? I do want to see your Forbidden West. So we got to look at his Forbidden West. It's Stu. How you doing, Stu? <laughs> pretty good yeah yeah no and so many jokes with that Elden Ring game uh, I just I can't believe they let that one through as it were it's crazy but uh, yeah yeah it's fun to talk about even though neither of us have played it <laughs> there you go no well I did want to do it's either that or I was going to go down the um, invading of the Ukraine stuff and I thought you know what that's too politically charged even for me oh I know I'm just I'm just pretending it's not happening not to denigrate the people of the Ukraine and their suffering because I stand with them yes. but apart from that I'm just pretending it doesn't exist because I've done the whole oh you know I'll worry about something and then you know there'll be something I can do about it or whatever yeah. and I'm like no I've been doing that for over 40 years and it doesn't make any difference and uh, you know as a quick, very quick tangent I heard that well read somewhere that people who worry about something and then that thing happens don't have any less stress than the people who don't worry about it and then it happens. So it's yeah. like, it's pointless to think about it. So that's my new philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. I worry. I was, I was just, I was, I was like, can we just, just, just a month, just have a month, you know, everything's okay. Just, just a month. Oh. And they do your That would be so nice. Uh, you know, I mean, let's at least celebrate COVID being over. Oh wait, I was just checking my notes. Nope, nope, it's not actually over. <laughs> yeah. Stop reading the news. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it's all fun and games. I know, I know. Do you know what is actually fun and games? What? Video games. That's right. That's one of my better segues of recent weeks. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I know. Do you know what? I don't plan the segues either. I mean, not that you could tell, uh, but I don't plan the segues. I just wait till I say something in my head and go, right, that's a segue. Yeah. They're usually not, but I try and make something happen. Well, you, uh, you know, you're works. a professional. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Support us on Patreon. That would be nice. What have you been playing, Stu? So, for my first game, it is not a Mega Drive game, and it is not a retro game. So I'm b- breaking the whole pattern wide open this week. Don't. Is it a modern Game Boy game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not even that. It's not a retro throwback. It's actually a proper, you know, substantial, genuine modern game, and it's part of something you'll be talking about, which is this Steam highlight, whatever they call it. I can't remember. But Steam Next Fest. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, it's part of that, and it's called Neon White. And what it is, is it's just a demo for now, obviously, because it's part of this. Oh, is that the ghost ruddery type parkour first person thing? That's exactly what it is, yes. yes. Yeah, and long-term listeners to the podcast will know that, uh, bizarrely, uh, from out of nowhere, kind of in a weird way, it's one of my favourite genres. It's one of the most niche genres available, and I absolutely adore it. And Ghost Runner is one of my games of the last decade, you know, and... I absolutely loved Mirror's Edge. It just oh, just fired off all the synapses in my brain. Yeah. And yeah, this, this seems to be really good. So it's, it's hard to tell from the demo, but it seems to have done in a kind of a speed runny kind of thing of each level. So it's split into very 
short at the moment at least uh, very distinct levels where you have to you know get through a particular set of obstacles and you have to use the abilities and then you get out of it and you get a, a what you see your time you see how long it took you and you get ranked based on that time so it does seem to be like a you know rather than it being a narrative experience it's just a, a fun kind of blast thing and you you know you go through different puzzly style levels and use your abilities and it's not one of those i need to go on much about that i'll just talk about the differences really so so far no wall running which is a bit it's, it's kind of weird after playing ghost runner yeah. to go back and not have wall running maybe it's going to be introduced you know in later levels there's absolutely a good chance of that because you get lots and lots and lots of different types of abilities as you play in the demo um secondly it's not really combat focused although there is combat so it plays out with you have you gain cards so they're pickups through the level uh interest peaked yeah (laughs) yeah cards it's a deck build it's just wait wait so are you telling me we've got a deck building first person parkour game kind of kind of Okay, <laughs> sorry, so I won't interrupt again. I'm, I'm really peaked now. Let's go. Yeah, well, you'll like it. Yeah, just because cards are good. I, it kind of it it does something with they're just pickups, but it does yeah. something with them in that it's very minor kind of overlay. But you know, obviously, you've got you can have several in the deck, as it were, and you can flip between them. And you have a discard ability as as well as its main ability. So there's one ability where you use it and it's just slashing, hacking and slashing is the main ability. But its sub-ability is to give you a double jump. So you jump and then you press the discard button and you do a second jump. And each card has a a number of uses. And, you know, depending on the power of the card, you know, that number of uses changes yeah but you know all that sounds really complex but it's really easy in in you know in actual play and it's just to prevent it's it's like that feeds into the puzzle aspect of it so it's like you 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 can only reach certain areas with certain cards and they only have a certain number of uses so you can't just like spam through an area you have to use it cleverly and as smoothly as you can so yeah as, uh, other than that, it's pretty much as it sounds. The only other thing to bring up is that it looks lovely. I, I got a very... Oh, it's really weird. You know when you've, you're you adjacent to a game, so you know of it, but you never play it, and you just see yeah. the promotional material? I would say it looks like Persona, but I don't really play Persona, so I can't say <sighs> it absolutely does. I'm but, looking at footage of it now, and... Yeah, the like the uh, character designs and that kind of graphic style of that side of it is a bit of personary. But it kind of looking at the worlds, it looks like almost like the Talos principle mixed with Mirror's Edge in terms yeah. of it's a very clean but ancient at the same time. Yeah. Ancient architecture type stuff, but in a very clean Mirror's Edge-style sanitised environment. It's a really yeah. weird look. It is. It's a really good one. The only thing yeah. that I I could compare it to was... Um, it looks a bit like Sky Sanctuary level from Sonic. It's in, that's in Sonic yeah. and Knuckles, I think. But it's also in Sonic Generations. It looks like that, a little bit like Marble Zone from the, the first game, but more like Sky Sanctuary, really. So it's like... Um, like the back, like uh, I think whose whose background is it? Cammy's background in 
Super in Street Fighter Zero Three. I would yeah. have to take your on that one. <laughs> I I just I have these weird flashbacks to stuff. <laughs> it's just best ignore me. Um, yeah, it's kind of got that Greek thing of an incredibly clean blue sky and incredibly white buildings. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's it's gorgeous looking. The cutscenes are really annoying. Um, they're really teenage and very anime, and they're done with American voice actors. I'm really hoping you can change uh. the voice. Yeah, really hoping you can change the voice to Japanese or anything else. But anyway, de- the as a demo, they wear are really cool though. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 right. I, someone on Etsy is going to make those and sell those masks, aren't they? They've got to. Yeah, they are really, really good. Yeah, uh, it's it's only a small thing comparatively but really good and yeah uh, just reminded me that the only other touch points really are kind of like Killer 7 and um, No More Heroes you know Grasshopper Studios stuff it looks a little bit like that as well but less cluttered so yeah it's a really really good demo and I'm looking forward to the full thing yeah it's Annapurna Interactive so that immediately strikes me as there's something there regardless of whether it's for everyone there's something there, you know. I, you know, people might. I mean, I would go. They've got such a good hit rate. People might point to twelve minutes and stuff like that and go, "Well, oh, it's not that good." Like twelve minutes. Like, are people went hard bad on that because of certain twists it done, way it dealt with certain things. It was still a competent game that was made well, regardless of what you thought of the output of it. It still done certain things well. Um, so, Annapurna Interactive uh, have got a really good. Uh, hit rate with games and yeah I'm, I'm, I think I might give this one a go yep I, I think it might uh, hit the right buttons for you as it were yeah I don't know if I want to play the demo or just wait now because yeah. you've sold it to me so I don't need the demo to sell it to me yeah no, I know what you mean sometimes it's just just seeing it running is enough and you're like yeah okay I'm in yeah well when I cover the Steam Next Fest stuff at the end because it links into mental health, actually, the Steam Next Fest stuff. I'm really intrigued with what that's done with my ADHD. But, but I'll talk about some of the stuff I've been playing and why I've definitely avoided some stuff. Cool. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm glad you mentioned that one. I think that's you may well have got them, if not another sale, at least another bit of coverage. Excellent. Yeah, I think because I will request that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, cool. Cool. Like that. So moving on. I've been playing two different games this week, and when I was actually putting together some some minor notes, it was um, I've been playing two games that couldn't be more complete opposites if they tried. And when I come to the second game, you'll realise why. Um, so the first game I've been playing is a game called Thirty Five Millimeter, and it's not a Nicolas Cage affair. Don't worry about that. That's a very niche reference. It is. Did you ever see that Thirty Five Millimeter? I think so. It's is that a really good film? Yeah. It's the 35mm came out around the same sort of time as Snake Eyes. Um, and he plays a detective who's looking for people who are doing stuff films. Yeah. The Joaquin Phoenix plays a sex shop owner. And it's, yeah, it's a, just a really, like, one of Nicolas Cage's more subdued films. And there's a guy in a gimp mask chasing him around the house as well, which is just, it's, it's Nicolas Cage. Watch it if you haven't. It's quite a, it's a really good film. Yeah. But yeah, this, this is nothing to do with that. But I saw the title and went, ooh. But no, what this is, it's a post-apocalyptic story, this one. And I don't know where it's meant to be set. It's, it's made by a developer who 
is looks like the language is Krillic. Oh, um, Cyrillic, yeah. 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 So what did I say? Krillic? Yeah. Acrylic's a plastic in it type thing. <laughs> yeah. Acrylic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely that Eastern block there. I, I probably should have done a bit more research. But anyway, what you've got is a post-apocalyptic thing about a couple of travellers who are going on a long journey after this event. And there's a like, like a global pandemic. Uh, tell me if you've heard all this before. <laughs> and this basically, it's almost like a a, a walking simulator in, in the vein of like what remains of Edith Finch and, and, and games like that. And um, but it's set in this like sort of like really dark atmospheric journey through through the Eastern Bloc. And there's some slight minor survival horror stuff in there and some minor fps stuff in there but it, it's a walking simulator essentially um now this came back out in tw- this came out in 2016 didn't know about it ignored it never heard of it don't know why it looks right up my my alley and it's weird talking about sort of like post-apocalyptic in the eastern block just after a pandemic and stuff like that that's a bit too close to, <laughs> yeah. to home at the moment isn't it it's yeah. um uh, it's like it's almost prophetic bizarre uh but anyway yeah so playing this and it's, it's interesting so st- the reason i played it is come out on the switch so i've been playing the switch version of it headphones on all of that the atmosphere the sound design if it's superb visually looks lovely um, obviously a lot of games have moved on in the last six years but it still looks lovely and story wise it's got a good story i'm not going to say anything about it because with these games you've got to play it to get the story any kind of spoiler any even little thing you say could ruin these games for people if they want to go into them so just just play it some bugs in there uh, which were uh, caused me to restart a couple of times not like restart the entire like from scratching the game but i have to like quit the game and like boot back up and I had to repeat maybe about five minutes worth of stuff in it. It's got a decent checkpoint in actually. It moves at a plodding pace, and I was okay with that. Now I've seen some complaints about the the pacing of the game, but if you're in what I consider sort of like last few humans left on Earth type affair, and you know you're on a long journey, I don't think you're rushing about no you, you kind of are taking it carefully because you don't know what's there and it does hit the stuff there's a lot of stuff when there's survival horror you don't want to rush because you don't know where you're going and you want to be careful um it's why metro games i thought were brilliantly paced because they don't force you along quickly and it works now everything about this works really well however and this is my big however with this game unfortunately is the voice acting isn't the best um right it's a little bit stilted in places and it, it kind of is very very close to immersion breaking not enough that i didn't see this through to the end but there was a few points i was just like a little bit of cringe in there and sort of like going ah just so close you're so close to getting this spot on and this yeah. could have been big this could have been like a fire watch or a, a what remains of Edith Finch or sort of like any of the others around that time. It could have been that instead it's kind of flown under the radar a bit, but yeah, I had a, I hate saying I had a good time with it because I didn't because it's not the sort of game you have a good time with, 
I had an intriguing time with it. It, it, it yeah. you know, it left it left an impression, and I really hope you know the people behind this, the guy behind this, whoever it is. Um, I can't read Cyrillic, so I couldn't tell you if this was a a, a studio or a person, but. They've done a, it's a really good job overall. I would like to see more done. Um, but I'm hoping getting a Switch release gives it a bit more exposure because it certainly deserves it. Certainly deserves it for what, what's been produced here. And it's, like, it's very on the nose for what's happening now. Because I honestly thought it was something that was maybe cashing in on current news affairs, world affairs. But it's not. It's from 2016. Yeah, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. sounds intriguing, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's intriguing. It's only six quid on Steam as well. Yeah. I don't know how much the Switch version was. I've got a code for it. It's only six quid on Steam. Uh, how long is it? Uh, I lost myself in it. I want to say ten hours. Right. Cool, yeah. That's pretty substantial. It's on rails. It's, right. So, I hate, when we say on rails, it, I mean, it funnels you um, where it wants you to go. Um, so, there are invisible walls if you stray too far and stuff like that. But it's a story-based game. Um, it's like, you know, you don't go to the cinema and go, ah, oh, Tom Cruise, why are you going that way? Just stand over there for a bit. You don't get to do that. And I don't expect you to be able to have that freedom in a story-based walking simulator that's trying to tell a story. So it is linear and it does funnel you where it wants you to go. But it works in this case. Okay, yeah. It is funny how, you know, it's not funny, it's fairly understandable how that you know the voice acting can make or break certain games it it's so crucial to some of them and i'm going to be talking about one later that it really really makes the game so it's a shame is there any can you change the region or have they only recorded it in english i couldn't notice anything now i might be wrong i couldn't notice anything when i looked yeah uh, it's unlikely because so... it's so expensive to get actors and to get it translated as well yeah, and if, if I'm wrong, and there is, and I'll do a proper search and have a look, then so be it. But because of my vision, if there is, usually I would go, right, if it's got native Russian, that and subtitles all day long. Always done that with, like, Metro yeah. yes. um, yeah. as well. All day long. But I struggle to read subtitles at the moment, so I can't. So I had to do, like, I do need English for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the translations are great. I think that that could well be the problem. The, the translation into English isn't great. But I will yeah. double check. I'll do a bit of a search and find out if there is a a, a a Russian option, which if there is, that will probably make it 10 times better. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I'm glad I asked because that's really points out the thing about the acting and how important the acting is but also about the accessibility thing because you don't have the option of reading the subtitles you you really need to go with the voice actors yeah and so if they're not great then that can detract quite a bit for you yeah but then i'm not going to blame the game for that if it was a massive studio that could get in loads of like like great voice actors to do it all and they put out something that was like that stilted or badly translated i'd have more of an issue but if this is a native russian ukrainian whatever developer and they're having to do all that work themselves i i I forgive that and i get that but it does need to make sure it does have the option of being able to play it in russian because i say metro 2033 the first one i played it's night and day when you have Russian voices compared to English voices, it's a night and day difference in the game. Yeah. 
and I think I played, was it Partisans, 1940-something or other, on stream last year or the year before. And, you know, that had some English actors doing stuff, and it was just, that was just really immersion-breaking. But overall, yeah. it's six quid. It's well worth giving a shot. You know, hopefully give give this team, this person, who whatever it is, a boost, and do it through there. I mean, you can get it from itch.io as well, I believe, as well. So it's, it's in a few different places. Yeah, interesting, Gabe, interesting. Cool. Yeah, no, it sounds it. So, what's next from you? Well, I've only really... Well, I, I say I've only really been playing one other game, but I've been uh, I've been carrying on playing Monster Hunter Stories 2, uh, the RPG. Yeah. Uh, like, I've been playing that since we started. Yeah, I started around just after Christmas or beginning of January because yeah. it's massive. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to it to say, you know, it's still fantastic. It's really big, so I haven't finished it yet, but I'm still playing it. But other than that, the only thing that I've been playing is uh, obviously a huge release and, you know, the only thing you're going to be talking about on February 25th, which is today, and that's Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, no, as we said earlier, I've been playing Elden Ring. Um, and mainly because I don't really get on with From Software games. They're very, very, very divisive games. And I think the majority of people like them, but the people who dislike them, you know, again, as normal, it's a Marmite thing, you yeah. know. And um, I've tried very, very hard. I just couldn't do it. And why am I talking about Elden Ring when it's not the game I'm playing? <laughs> well, just because I think there would be a big gap where people are like, you know, doing that um, that meme from Pulp Fiction where John Travolta's sort of looking around going, where Where's is Elden yeah, Exactly. So just to explain. I've got an that. idea. Whenever Elden Ring's not on the podcast, the presenter should be going, where's Elden Ring? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ah, so, Simpsons reference. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, but it's our Poochie. It, where, you know, it's probably never going to feature. It really went back to its home planet and crashed on the way. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Died on the way back to its home planet. No, no criticism of Elden Ring. It's just, you know, it's not something brother and myself are at all bothered about. Elden Ring, the sequel, Poochie Chronicles. There you go. Someone mod Poochie into Elden Ring. That sounds really good, yeah. Now, <laughs> now I do want to play it. Anyway, <laughs> what I have been playing, and I just missed out on, on speaking about last week's podcast, is Horizon Forbidden West. And, oh, I've got a lot to say about this game. I've got a lot to say about this game. I will start by saying I'm playing it on base PS4, not PS5. And not even a PS4 Pro. And it looks absolutely phenomenal. Like, I mean, the original game looked absolutely amazing. Yes. But it's kind of off the scale how good it is. I mean, it's one of those... The console itself is nearly 10 years old. When it came out, it was made by... You know, it was made with off-the-shelf components. It wasn't a, oh my God, it's like the PS2, you know, kind of really bespoke really advanced chips and all that nope it was you know a fairly decent mid-range kind of a thing it's mid-range 10 years old and it still looks absolutely phenomenal the work that Guerrilla Games have done is just I can't really even get my head around it so everything that you'd think about what you need to keep the game immersive and interesting when you're playing such a long game is there so it has lots of different environments. It's got lo loads of different weather effects. The terrain always changing, but subtly. You know, it's got 
it's got mountains, it's got caves, it's got cliffs, it's got hills, it's got flatland, it's got underwater sections, it's got high peaks that you can jump off of, everything that you would want to make an and like crafted as well. So they're all the areas are properly crafted. They don't feel like oh this is this texture just replace you know put in this you know thing. It actually feels like it's been constructed to be an exciting playground. And I read something the other day where somebody said you know you might play these games are like they're like visiting Disney World or yeah you know, Alton Towers. They're somewhere you'd only you only go once a year you know you only play one of these games a year because they're so vast and they're so you know, comparatively expensive and when you're in them you want them to be kind of everything and it really delivers on that so it's got it's got absolutely everything you would want from the sequel it's got new characters it's got new uh as i say environments but it, what it does that really excels and what it takes it to a different level <laughs> well, level games is the fact that the acting and the script is fantastic and not just that you get interested in the characters because it's got a great script it also makes sense and there are stakes so it's not just fetch quests and then you're doing the main story which is really predictable for a start it's got a really unpredictable main story and not a kind of twisty M. Night Shyamalan just through, you know, oh, but no, it's this, you know, unsatisfying thing. It's got, it's like, almost like real life in that you start down a path and that always changes. You can't yeah. dictate or predict. So it's got that and it's got the side quests which are more predictable, but they tie into the personality of the person who's given them to you and also the overall game world. So even though they are you know, we basically go in to collect this object or explore this area. There are so many, not just so many game mechanics that you can employ to make, to give it variety. Yeah. But the character that you're speaking to, their story, their dialogue, and the acting performance all gives you a real cohesive sense. It really makes you immersed in it. And it and it propels you forward because you want to see what happens and how this changes the the events and the story. So it it really nails that. It nails it so well. So it's done all of that really, really excellently. But I'll take a breath. Oh, there's loads to say more about it, but I'll take a breath here and see what you think of what I've said so far. Yeah, no, it's... Um, first of all, I love... Um, Horizon, the first one. Uh, mine's gone blank on what the subtitle was. For Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn, yeah. Absolutely loved that game. I thought Aloy is an amazing character. Almost, I want to go... You feel that she could become PlayStation's next Lara Croft in terms of iconic over the next few years. Yeah. However, what I had issues with was she was a bit too in that a bit too perfect in design and it wasn't anything I looked at just like oh my god like she's so why have they made her so perfect but it's when I look back it's just when oh she had like there was flawless skin and she had like great hair and, and, and stuff like that in the original game it wasn't an issue because you know you're still doing things but it's like I wanted to I hope they developed her 
Uh, I, I'll let you carry on before, so I'll come to more points with that. But everything you're saying so far is, I can't play this because I don't have a PS4 at the moment. But I want to play this because I loved the first game. My, my hope is that the first game came out on PC, this comes out on PC. Because it just, it just looks so right up my alley. And when you talk about storytelling and the path you go for, this is, I'm hoping this is more what we see when we talk about mature content in video games, that they could tell a nuanced story that just doesn't rely on, oh, it was all a dream, or, oh, you'll never guess what, one of the big robot monsters was her mum all along, or anything like that, where it's got to go <laughs> some stupid twist. So I'm hoping that for what you said so far, that the story's nice and nuanced, that it feels human in a way, uh, because I yeah. think when you're in a game that's got massive mechanical creatures in it, and you know, it's a lack of a human race as well. The humanity part of it is vital. The first game had that, so I'm I'm hoping uh, by what it sounds like you said so far, that's really there in this game as well. It is now. No matter what I think, no matter who, no matter who approaches it. And no matter what they think of the game itself, I don't think anybody could complain about the story. I think it's and the you know the way that story is presented and the narrative. I, I think it's just one of the for me. It's it's one of the most smooth and nicely produced stories in games. So yeah. you know there's a there's a real kind of there's a real impact to everything that's that's happening. The, the way that the actual central concept of what you're doing is very different really from from zero dawn um so in in the first game you're kind of you know you you grow up and you're kind of an ordinary sort of tribes person and then you ha- you get this access to information that changes the world and you have to do things that make sure that certain things happen and certain things don't. Yeah. Whereas this one is more amazing a, allegory in that first story, by yeah. the way. For yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in this one, it's more about even more about the people more than it is about the past or the technology. Yeah. It's more about who's doing what and why, and how that affects the world. And another big allegory for uh you know what's going on in the world as well and i won't go into any more detail than that but it is all personality driven and there are characters that are you know petty bureaucrats and there are characters who are ordinary sort of like tavern workers and you know cooks and there are right through to there being warriors and, and tribes people and farmers and each one of them has their own character and personality doesn't try and put you know jokes in the mouths of everybody or make everybody serious or all of those immature writing things that a lot of game studios do almost like in real life there's lots of people with lots of different personalities precisely and the best thing that they do is weave all of that together into something that feels real and they do it via Aloy being um, the quote unquote saviour so you get a big polarised kind of three-way split of the people who see her as the saviour and therefore trust her and bring her into their world. Then there's the people who don't know her and that, you know, 
leaves things open for will it be conflict or you know will there be an accord and then there's the people who have their own agenda and their, and resenter and you know they're either the out and out enemies or they're sort of bureaucrats who you know because she's got so much power and she's trying to do the right thing they distrust her and they don't want her to have that kind of influence and just the fact that you can talk about that kind of level of sophistication in a game is really unusual so yeah driving that story on i'm going to talk about the gameplay really briefly in terms of uh, what you do moment to moment yeah because i don't care how good in a game like this i don't care how good the story is the characterization if the gameplay doesn't hit home yeah 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 so absolutely and it, it's what brings in my only real criticism as well so it's very important as well so yeah it's obviously very very similar in gameplay to the first game mm-hmm. it has new wrinkles that are in the trailers and everything so i can tell you about so the glider uh but i mean that everyone was like oh yeah yeah, yeah it's just going to be like breath of the wild it's not it, it's it's taken a couple of things from breath of the wild but very very little it feels like a legitimate sequel without stealing from you know, Zelda, um, and it's got swimming mechanics and a few other little bits, but they don't, they just enhance the gameplay yep. from the first. They don't fundamentally change it. The biggest change is the number of weapons. So, like, the way that you approach fights now can be very different because you can add lots of different elemental effects to your weaponry. You've got different types of range you've got different effects that are more pronounced than the first like tearing body armor off versus penetrative weaponry and all of that and there's loads of other types of weapons uh so fundamentally it doesn't really change but it adds a bit more nuance and a bit more sophistication that and also you know there's loads more sort of you know there's loads of gathering still and there's loads of crafting and there's uh yeah lots of clothing you can change into and all that sort of stuff so my only criticism so far and i'm about i must be at least 20 hours in maybe more is the weaponry so there are a lot of weapons with a lot of different things and it does occasionally certainly at the level my character's at fall into a thing of oh you need to switch to this weapon to do this and then switch to that weapon to do that and mid-fight break in to do this and you know this ability is is what i really need for that and that can be a little bit break the flow a little bit i think perhaps there's a few too many weapon choices and a few too many adjustments and i think it could have narrowing it down and leaving it closer to the the previous game i think would probably have been the better choice from that however that said you can just brute force it and do your leveling up in stuff that you appreciate and kind of yeah get around it a little bit like that so a couple of questions or just a question really on the um on the the weapons and, and the technology and probably fits into the story a bit i assume this is not set directly after the end of the first one it's set very soon after it. I think three weeks or maybe a little bit oh, more. Oh, really? Um, but after the end of The Frozen Wilds, which I haven't played. So it incorporates the, the DLC, The Frozen Wilds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because okay, what I was going to say, because based on Aloy's looks and everything, we will come to that whole discussion as well. I assumed quite a bit of time had passed and i was going to say surely the added weapons and everything would make sense in terms of their development like 
off 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 game in the time that's passed. They would have developed this technology to give her access to more weapons. But if it's only a few weeks, oh yeah, no, I'm with you. I'd rather they kept something close to the limited weapons you had in the first. Yeah, I mean, uh, it works in one way in that obviously she's built up all these skills and this weapon set. Yeah, yeah. And it's very difficult. One of the things that they trip over, like at the beginning of Metroid, where they strip all of your powers, it's very difficult to make a new game where you need to still, you know, go up a skill tree and you need to develop and improve and, you know, gain your XP. But at the same time, make it narratively true to the first game where you've already learned all of those skills. Yeah. And it does kind of sidestep it from that by going, okay, well, yeah, the previous enemies are still there and you still use the same stuff and you are, yeah, a little bit... Your baseline is a bit lower than in the previous game where you will have levelled up loads, but it not in a way that kind of makes you feel like it's totally disregarding it. Yeah. But at the same time, it very quickly adds new enemy types that are very, very tough and don't really take any damage from the standard weaponry and they need the special weaponry to... And it's not even like really, it's just kind of like it, it, it deals with it really well narratively. So you're in a new area with new loot to scavenge. So you're in a completely different geography to the first game. And there are people, there are salvagers, there are new, you know, creature types. And it makes sense that there's technology that you've not had access to. So narratively, it works like that. My only issue with it is that they could have gone, okay, well, we've got two or three new types and they branch off in these sorts of ways and we incorporate them like this whereas I feel like because they want it to be more sophisticated and to have more options they've gone well you know there's this branching path of six new weapon types and each one can have three or four different you know adaptations and switching between them on the fly is a little more clunky than it should be so narratively it works I think just moment to moment it can, but but I don't want to overstate it. It's not game breaking. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's all little bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to see a game in a series like this. Um, actually, I always wish Assassin's Creed would have done it as well. Have the absolute balls to not go for the gaming trope of oh this has happened and you've got to start from scratch again. That in a sequel you go like look. You're armed up to the eyeballs because you've, you've, you've skilled up. So we're going to pop you into this game, assuming that you're playing the sequel because you played the first, and you, you're told up to the eyeballs because you've already got all that stuff, and not also have to rely on skill development. Find other ways to yeah. develop characters. Maybe you developed your physical skills in the first game, and the second game could be more about developing, while still doing all the fighting and everything, but developing your social skills through it and that's what your skill tree is something different because that every game even the best ones still fall into this ah uh, we've got to level up all of this we've got to find a way to start from scratch again and I, it's it's a trope i've just got a little bugbear with um it's not game breaking or anything or, or on any of them it's just like i just want to see someone have the balls to just get do away with the uh, character development that there is yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get that totally. I think, as I say, I think the way they incorporate it in this, in this game is probably the the best that's ever been done, or at least, in, you know, it's on the top tier with all the ones that have done it that well. Um, as I say, there's no sort of dissonance between the narrative and the way that you use weaponry. The people that you talk to are like, 
it, like it, it reveals why this part is available or this ability yeah yeah is suddenly coming to the fore very 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 well it's it's literally just some moments of gameplay where it's a little bit a little bit clumsy in terms of switching weaponry but I'm willing to have that trade-off simply because the sense of discovery and the level of design and the, the intelligence of the the way that they incorporate that design into the world is just so good. You know, the, the weapon parts that you tear off and, and break off from from the metallic animals and the robots and stuff and the new robot and animal types and stuff like that and the way that it all just weaves its way in. It's just so good. It's just yeah. good. I'm I'm really trying not to just rave about it completely, but it's... no. Sometimes the game deserves it. Yeah, but but and here comes the but because as with any game that has a strong female lead, we need to talk about the discourse around the game. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Is Aloy sexy enough for you? <laughs> it's one of the best characters. I, she's just one of the best characters. She's um, just yeah. It's, yeah. It feels like outside of. Games like Life is Strange or other LGBTQ plus style games or other indie games. She feels like the most realistic depiction of a woman in a video game I've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that this one takes that even further, you know? It's kind of like... There's a lot... Like I alluded to earlier when I was talking about there are people who like, oh, you're the saviour, you know, you're great, you can't do anything wrong. And then because she's done such good things, there are people who hate her because of that. And it kind of plays out in a very subtle way where you can read people's reactions to her as I'm mainly having that reaction because you're a woman. You know, the saviour should be a man. It's never explicitly stated, which I think is very clever, but there's a lot of oh, you're the one, are you? You're the saviour, are you? But, you know, kind of like, look at you. How could you be doing that? I don't believe it. And there's this inherent mistrust. And then some characters, you know, try and kind of assert their authority by being physical with her and she doesn't back down. And, you know, not even kind of, don't start pushing her around, but they, they kind of like implicit threats and looming and stuff like that. So there's a lot of really clever sort of, feminist touches to it that i'm yeah. really impressed with and yeah it, it's it's just a brilliant portrayal of of you know that and there's a queer reading to it as well you can read it entirely not entirely but you can read things of the queer experience into it yeah as well and i think that's very very deliberately put in there which is great and yeah yeah it's i mean the first game i, I mean i felt it handled uh, the idea of sexuality really well in, in in the first game even because it wasn't you know there would be people in the game that i remember there was i was walking through a village on one of them and one of the uh the, the market traders in there was making advances towards a lawyer she just brushed him away it was like i'm not interested in that stuff but not in a giddy kind of way or a, oh you quit it was just a, i don't that's not i don't care I'm a warrior. I, this is what I want to do, you know. Yeah. I've got this task. I'm not going to, you know, go and, like, put it to the side for a silly little sex capade with you or anything like that. And I thought that worked really well. And what I like about Aloy, and this is important for for me now as a father of a young, 
sporty, boisterous, but also quite feminine girl who will happily play princesses, but go out and play football, will happily play wrestling with her brother and stuff like that. Aloy is the first time I could go, I could go to her, look, as she gets older, that's you. You can see yourself in that character. Yeah. Because girls often have prim and proper. Lara Croft, they've tried to sort of like change her over the years to make her feel more realistic, quote unquote. But she's still an icon of perfection. Um, even in sort of like when she's like covered in mud or whatever and vulnerable. Um, there's still that, you know, she's still got that shape and it's like, I want to protect the kind of thing. I don't want to protect Aloy. Yeah. I feel that she, well, I don't need to protect Aloy or anything like that. Uh, but from the looks point of view, you could tell that she's been physical. She's had to work out, not through going to the gym or anything like that, but just through what she does. So her face has got the face of someone who does work out. You know, it's got muscular features to it. And she's, you know, the first game, I thought she looked a bit too much like she could be a model in the first game. That's why I wanted to bring up how long, how much time had passed and whether that fit narratively. But her hair gets matted. Um, again, I don't care about the physical aspects, but it, it's important. Things. She hasn't got perfect hair. It gets matted and, and stuff like that. And I remember seeing a complaint, and uh, Stephanie Sterling brought it up, that one of the complaints about, and someone going, well, Aloy's got a beard. It's like, he went, no, that's just the fluff that every human being has on their face. Yeah. You can't see it unless you're really looking. Um, you know, it's, it's just what women have. And it, like they pointed out that Aloy is the a real woman. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I'd look at certain female characters and sexualise them because I was a teenage boy. But I look at Aloy and I go, it's weird to be sexually attracted to a video game character anyway, but as they get more and more realistic, I get why people are. Uh, but I'm not looking at Aloy and going, oh, yeah, oh, I'll post her of her up in my wall because whatever. But I'm also not looking at her going, oh, right, this disgusting. It just looks like a woman you would see on the street. And yeah. that's what I want to see in video. I want to see people that you'd see on the street that don't have stand out perfect features or oh look we're gonna look give her a massive scar because that's what we do she's got a beautiful face but she's got a massive scar she's been through so much uh she just looks normal she's got imperfections you know i like a lot of people called her fat which i found hilarious you know but her face it's, it's muscular because of what she does yeah yeah it's absolutely it's, fantastically done yeah in, in a way that you can that you can't even really apply to any other action game, at least, and no. maybe even any other game, in that she's, you know, you might find her attractive. You know, you might find that character design attractive. But if you yeah. do, it's be- it's not because it's sexualized no. or exaggerated. You know, it's entirely done in a way that's believable. And that extends to every character in the game. You know, it's got all sorts of face types, body types shape sizes the way people dress is really important like the costumery in it is really 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 important uh it says a lot about character uh it says a lot about tribes you know uh, about our history it has a lot of people of color 
represented with you know it's kind of almost a 50 50 split between or even weighing in the the direction of of black people over white people yeah it feels very geographically located in that it feels like it could be at the very tip of north africa kind of thing so there are people of light skin uh and you know European incursion as well as there being black people and but everybody lives together skin is not the issue it's it's about what tribe you're part of it's just there's so much put in so much thought put into it to make it all work yeah and nothing more important and those things are important but nothing is more important than that than making her a non-sexualized believable female character which they've done and a redhead in a lead role yeah, yeah, absolutely. which is great because my daughter's a redhead. That's why I said she can see herself. It's just, like when you see sort of like um, a young black girl see themselves in a in a video game character or a movie character that have not seen before, like like you see, uh, like how some maybe saw themselves in Moana that have never seen another Disney princess before. You know, my daughter doesn't get to see the hero as a as a as a redhead. So again, it's added to things is you know it's not no one's taken away by having Aloy we're not stopping anyone else being anything but again you get my daughter now gets to see herself in a character uh, and be proud that she's a redhead and, 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 and stuff like that yeah and again for anyone I am no way comparing that to centuries upon centuries of oppression or anything like that towards any other communities Okay, I'll just, yeah. but it's on an individual, personal level. It's she, she, she seen characters, and she never gets to see herself in those characters, and it's just nice for her. Absolutely, yes. Representation is so important. Yeah, whether it's you know, like you say, a redhead girl, or whether it's you know, a black man, or whether it's you know, Asian people, it doesn't matter what it is. It's really important, and. You know, just to make show that we're not just virtue signalling, oh, we're so woke, you know, we understand all this. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, is that when you start changing these things and making them more mature and more sophisticated, everybody wins. Like, every, it improves things for everybody. So if you're thinking, okay, right, well, I want this character, I want them to be representative of of a certain type of woman who is not portrayed in games, in a way that isn't portrayed in games... And I want it to, you know, her to be powerful and, and single and independent, but those not be her defining factors. Like her power comes from her actions. And so when you start putting that in place and you start really thinking about how you're going to write script around it, your game then develops in a much more sophisticated way. Because you're like, yeah. well, if I'm going to bring in other people I've heard speak to and it's not sexualized, they have to be sophisticated. And if it's going to be a storyline that's about how much power she's gained and how she then uses that and doesn't exploit it, that's got to be sophisticated. And it just has this tumble-on effect. When you actually think about what you're trying to accomplish, it has this you know cascading effect of making everything better. And then yeah. everyone wins. So it doesn't matter like whether you're some like pasty white kid in a basement or whether you you know somebody around our age who you know normally wouldn't touch games but finally there's some better representation and she decides to jump in it doesn't matter you know where you are on any of that spectrum everybody wins from it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. no it completely rejects the beauty standard and just says yeah. you know this this aspect of a person's face not just aloy or the characters this aspect is really nice this aspect is is you know doesn't work with that feature that well they're not they're, they're individual, they, they properly have proper facial yeah. characteristics, and just like with any person in real life, 
you kind of you can be attracted to it you know you, there's a character in it i think she's called petra who you meet up with and she's like a friend of yours and she's like a sort of larger she's white yeah um she looks kind of like well you know not to be denigrated but like a peasant type character yeah, yeah. but she's very intelligent she's really funny and she drinks too much and she's, you know, it. She's got. Yeah, tell like, me, Lorraine was in this. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> but you know, it's she's given this great kind of, even with only a few lines of dialogue, she's made to feel like a real person you may have met. Yeah. And she's really, really attractive. And she's not like, she she's not conventionally what you would stick in this kind of game to say, oh, this is an attractive person. But she's she's just lovely. She's very attractive. You know, you you you. Oh, you feel the appeal of, of the character. Yeah, I, I like that. Again, without having played it and not seen the character, what you've described to me, again, is that they seem to have gone away from the, oh, look, we're going to have a fat character for inclusion, but what what's what we're going to do? They're going to be the comedy sidekick or they're going to be the lighthearted relief. But it sounds like, again, they've created a character with nuance. Totally, because you feel... shows... One of, yeah. yeah, one of the best things about that interaction is that you get a sense that she's attracted to Aloy and wants a relationship. Yeah. Because she's asking, you know, when she's coming back and if you come back, can we actually spend a bit more time together? All the things that you would do if you were attracted to somebody but you didn't know where the boundary was. Yeah. And you were trying to develop that friendship and... Yeah, I'm just I I can't praise this game enough, and I think that side of it, uh, and the reason I'm going on so much, is because it's gone under the radar in reviews somewhat. You know, it's got good reviews, yeah, but I I feel like that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, and I really want to kind of push it to the forefront. Yeah, no, it it definitely. I mean, you know, okay, I am so close to trying to justify a PlayStation Four to go and get this. <laughs> I am so close to go. What can I do to raise those funds for a PlayStation Four without having to spend out much money just so I can play this? Yeah. It's um, or do I wait for the PC version in a couple of years? I, I don't know. It's uh, the f- I loved the first game um, so much so you know when uh, like we was talking about so oh, should we we go to like uh before the pandemic hit and everything we was talking about I uh, going to um like Comic-Con down the lines. I was like, oh, he just could uh, cosplay as Aloy. That'd be really cute and stuff like that. You know, she was only like like two, three at the time and she liked the character then. Uh, whether I don't know whether at two you could see yourself in a character, but, you know, there's, she she knew she had orange hair herself. Uh, she saw yeah. that. So I don't know. But it was like, oh, that'd be really cute. But I'd feel even more so now about this is someone that, I, you know, she did get into cosplay, go as Aloy, because I don't feel you're going to a, a Comic-Con and people are going to be looking at you like a glorified booth babe at the same time. Yeah, so it's none of it is exploitative and every single, you know, if, if there's a if there are more sexual characters, then it's done in a kind of... It's not over the top in any way, shape or form, and it's very subtle. And like you say, some people want to show more off than others. And I think the difference is you could you can be on the beach and there can be women in bikinis, and it's not sexual. There can be somebody in a very elegant dress at a formal function who is completely covered head to toe and is incredibly sexy. Yeah. And it's it's all about how you're presenting yourself rather than yeah. about what you're revealing. And, and that, you, know, you can have the same woman dressed in different ways depending on what the situation is. Imagine that. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dressing for the climate or for the activity. God. Yeah. 
How dare they? Get back in I your know. kitchen, woman. So I yeah, saw no. you. I saw you in a pantsuit in the office. Why are you wearing a bikini on the beat? Exactly. Yeah. 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 You. You terrible hussy. But yeah, no. It, it. It gets that. You know. You can tell through the design language that it gets that. So yeah, I. I I suppose we shouldn't really go on any more about it because it's been no. so much. But the only last thing I'll say is, <coughs> sorry, I'm really dry now, as you might expect from gabbling on for half an hour. <laughs> but um, the last thing I want to say is just on the te- on a technical level, as I said, it's it's amazing on PS4. Yeah. The the load times, I've got an SSD in mind, so that might make a bit of difference, but the load times are really quick. It only takes about 20 seconds when you're going from one big area to another, which is uncommon. Most load times are about eight seconds, which is incredible. Because I mean, yep. once you're in a, an area and you're not and you're moving around on foot, there is no loading at all. That's because they still use that cone vision thing yep. they do, where it only renders. That's it. A very small amount at a time, and it's yeah, the one that Kojima just went, I want that. Yeah, seamlessly. Yeah, and also yeah. it's only thirty frames per second on PS4, but it uses motion blur. So that you don't get jagged, you know, transitions when you you're switching your your view around. So basically, on a technical level, I, I can imagine people who've got a PS5. They're like, "Yeah, this is a cross-gen title." But if you've got a PS4, you're like, "I can't believe they're doing this. It's amazing." So yeah, yeah it's it'll look incredible on PC as well. So if you can hold out, then do because when it gets that release, it's going to look stunning. Yes. So. Moving on from one highbrow game to another. Oh, I. I've been playing a game called Bang On Balls. <laughs> <laughs> when I said I could go from one extreme to the other, uh, we're there. Oh, um, that's fantastic. Now, title aside, Bang On Balls is an early <laughs> access game, which sounds like it should be Steam Shovelware. Oh. But what we've got, it's far from it. It is absolutely far from it. It's in early access, and what I've played of it so far, it's only a couple of hours I've given a go, because I want to wait and see what they do with it in early access before going too far, is it's a 3D platformer where all the characters are different types of, like, footballs and beach balls or or just different types of of balls, essentially. Um, And it's just a collect-a-thon. You go through doing platforming, collecting things. There's a couple of little mini games in there that work. You know, there's a mini game where if you like your balls in your balls in your balls, there's a one where you're a ball and you've got to score goals with footballs against a giant ball goalie. Um, exhibit balls. Yeah, exhibit balls, yeah. There's puzzle games in there. There's minor combat in there, platforming. And it's just this really competent game. I was like, I mean, honestly, it needs a different title because the title makes you think like you're going to play some absolute shovelware crap. But it's anything but. It honestly is anything but. The missions I've done are short on the whole. It's got loads of different, like, you collect things, you can get different skins. So there's one where, like, you could be like a union flag. I'm not going to be a union flag because I'm not a racist. Uh, but you've got, like, loads of different flags. You can have loads of different patterns you can have. There's hats in there. You could get shields, different weapons. You get pretty much what to reward you with everything you do. The platforming is satisfactory as well. 
So you've got a jump button, uh, which you could double jump once, but you could combine that with a dash to get to sort of like um, other places. Uh, but you've got different combinations depending on what the platform is. You could do a, uh, a Mario-style stomp to bounce onto things. And depending on what you bounce on, it might like create a, a change, a, like a, a pressure pad to open a door or whatever. Or you might be like on a trampoline. It'll throw you up higher. And he's got a shield. And... You have to sort of like battle it in a certain way to be able to make that ball smaller so you can take it down and open the door. Really good. And what it does, it uses like historical events as its uh, as its story beats. So you go through sort of like these, what are meant to be historical events, but people replaced with balls. They're not, you know, they make a big point of this in their description that it's a inaccurate historical events uh like that's putting it mildly but just yeah it's just a lovely little game it's a really good sidetrack game that should has no right based on its title to be any good but is wonderful excellent yeah no i'm just checking my notes on it and it looks very much like a mario inspired game which is a good thing yeah i don't think enough companies try and copy mario enough ironically and yeah 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 it's really cool that um those ball things being covered with the flag, I've seen that elsewhere. It's like I don't know whether it's a meme or whether it's um, you know from some product or you know piece of entertainment or whatever. It's probably an NFT. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I've um, seen it before. So I think they're they're going for something with the yeah, meme, some thing. kind of meme or something, yeah. isn't it? I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, cool. it, 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 the controls really well. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it the one thing i would say is do you remember the uh Mad balls babo thingy that came out on xbla that was crap no no i don't remember that oh that was about do you, do you know what Mad balls are no oh it's a toy from the 80s ah. essentially it was like these like grotesque looking like they were shapes of balls and they had like these grotesque ones had like eye popping out and stuff like that i almost feel if they could have put the bad the bad balls license to this it would be well known um, in the 80s. <laughs> right, yeah. Just, I don't think many people know what bad balls are. Oh, right. um, it's around the time of Boglins and like the Garbage Pal Kids and stuff like that. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, that kind of gross out type thing, but on balls. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, just check it out. I mean, it's on Steam. How much is it? Let me just check my notes. Just over 13 quid on Steam. And do you know what? Yeah, you will get more value than that. It is in early access, so I don't know if the price will go up or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I you'll gr- gladly get that value if you just bought it now and waited for the game to be finished. Yeah, really good. Really, 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 really good. Cool. Another one of those, I think what I'll do is wish list it and wait for Steam Deck because it looks like a good one for handheld. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to wish list that it's one. It's getting an Xbox release, I believe. There's no mention of Switch, which is a shame because it looks perfect for sort of like quick, like I'm going to do one quick level while I'm sat on the bus or whatever. Yes. But, yeah, I, I just I really like it. Um, against all odds, honestly, I'd be. I got the code for it. I was like, ah, oh, why did I ask for this? Why? That's stupid of me. Then I played it, and I'm glad I did. Nice one. So, I take it you're done with your games. I am. Yeah, I don't think you've had chance to fit anything else in. No. <laughs> uh, Steam Next Fest is on, which is really good. I love the Steam Next Fest because you get to try out sort of like mainly indies that are coming down the line. I get to see sort of like which ones you might end up buying. Hint, quite a lot of them. And yeah, 
some really good titles in there. So you mentioned Neon White, which I, I, I'm now intrigued by and I'm going to play. Uh, is there any, why, why I load up Steam, remember what I've downloaded, is there any others that have stood out to you that you've played or tried yet? Yeah, I, only one, I've only had a chance to try one out uh, other than Neon White, which is called Abris or Abris, about knocking oh, stuff over. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's really... Was that because of my tweet? Yeah. That's right. It's, uh, it's it seems really really good. It's not really my kind of game, um, but it, for what it does, it, it seems excellent. Yeah, it's um, it's it's it is my type of game, and Abris is is superb. It's it's almost how my brain works. It's almost an insight into into ADHD in a way where. You, you you want to create something you want to be creative and structured and everything but then that creation or whatever could just all just like just destroy everything else within your brain because you, you just can't keep it all together it's, it's kind of a really weird one that hit me in all the right ways but just as a i'm gonna build this stuff and see what destruction i can cause in these just like small singular levels oh yeah i i i played about four or five levels of that and just went right no more uninstalling it i'm getting it nice <laughs> i am getting that game yeah yeah oh yeah brilliant that one oh, that, yeah um, the graphics are so, amazing on that i love yeah. them i love that style yeah it's got it's almost got a tilt shift effect to it without being tilt shift it's yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah i'll have a release but a couple of others i've played that i i i, I want to uh bring attention to so great mountain adventure is a isometric style top top down but not snowboarding and skiing game. So if you've played the likes of Steep and stuff like that, it's that but better. Basically, you ski, you snowboard on mountain results, you get different events you could do. Um, it used to be out on Android, it still is out on Android. Uh, I, I played it on Android and just went, I need this with controller. This is perfect for Switch. Yeah. Uh, but the Steam, it's coming out on Switch. Demo's on the Steam Next Fest. Plays really well. Great time with it. It's high score challengers will love it. People who like exploring will love it. People who are just craving a new uh, extreme sports game should love it. Everything about it is spot on. It's, com it's, it's coming out on Steam, which means you'll be able to play it on the Steam Deck. I'm sure it'll be a verified game at some point. Or the Switch. Absolutely brilliant give that one a go the wandering village is another one i've tried that i've really been attention to it's a city builder and the hook on this one is you're building your city on the back of a slow moving giant beast of an animal as it goes about what it's doing and again it's got some stuff i don't want to ruin and i've, I've full disclosure i backed this one on kickstarter but i've played a little bit of the demo just to see what i what, what i will be getting controls as you need for a city builder if you do want to just concentrate on the city building you can do that but the aesthetics around it are sublime and another one i've played is race condition and i'm unsure about this one it's a low polygon 
racing game that's like taken bits from like Virtual Racer Daytona and also maybe like the Circuit Superstars or anything. It's a very arcadey racing game that's low polygon. It's got some nuance to it where you have to go into the pit lane and drive through the pit lane to refuel. The faster you go, the less fuel you take on. The slower you go, the more fuel you take. The more fuel you take on when you go slow, but obviously that can compromise your position in the race. Do you risk it and go for it? It's arcadey, very twitchy. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it will sustain it for an entire game. Um, that's my main worry about it. But the demo really interested. And there's a, there's a few others I've got that I've not quite played yet. Um, like Doors is one I'm really looking forward to trying. It's like a uh, the room or oh, like escape room type thing where it's point and click, how to unlock doors and get into the move to another one. Rinse repeat. That looks interesting. Give that a go. Yeah. But yeah, lot, I mean, I've barely scratched the surface on them. I, I, you know, I rarely get the time. There's one called Pandemic Train, which looks like a 2D strategy style game set upon a train where, you know, there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, fine. Like, look at that one. I'll give that a go. Maybe report back on that next week. I love the Steam Next Rest from an ADHD point of view. Just the, I'm going to try that, going to try that, going to try that, going to try that, going to try that. And I don't have to spend money on them. Yeah. I'll try it. Yeah. And even like race condition where I'm not sure if I'm going to buy the full game and I probably won't. I've played it and I've enjoyed it and I'm glad I've played it and enjoyed it. That That's 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 quenched me for that one. Uh, but the others have left me wanting more. It's, I, I, it's, we need to see more of these across different systems, I think. I agree. I think doing it as a festival of demos is a really, really good idea. Yeah. It, it does coalesce. It, do, it does, like, focus you on, yeah, what's coming out. And, uh, yeah, there's just so... Some of the stuff that rises to the surface is so good. You know, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I mean, there is one that I've not played yet. And I, my plan was to play it before we recorded, but I got sidetracked with other stuff. Such <laughs> a shock, I know. Yeah. Um, it's called Golfy, which is a deck-building mini-golf game where each level is just this small like little diorama and there seems to be like deck building elements and you've got obviously go around get the best score you can and stuff like that looks really interesting there's obviously a ton of like anime style games for the people that like those sort of games some really good looking puzzle games that are there um, obviously you mentioned neon white i, I really am going to be looking to give that a go there's a city builder called Ixion, which looks right up my street as well. What else stood out that I've not played yet? I say we mentioned Abris. Little Orpheus. That's it's a demo of that. I'm not gonna play that. I already know I'm getting that one. And then you've got a bunch of you like your, your simulators that are there, which some will turn out to be decent, others will turn out to be shit. But there's autopsy simulator. Because why not? Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like it should be the sequel to um, Surgeon Simulator, where you're that bad of a surgeon, you've now got to do autopsies. <laughs> and also, also, someone please make a new trauma centre. I, I want trauma centre. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I, I love these. It's, it's an ADHD sufferers, an ADHD person's paradise. Excellent. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Cascade of new stuff that you can play for free. Yes. Yeah, love it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, cool. But then, yeah, that's it for me. Anything else you want to add? No, no, that's it. We've got on a bit, haven't we? Just a little. But hey, what's you? <laughs> Precisely. Um, it's a good way of like not talking about all the big things going on in the world. So that's good. Yeah, 
Yeah, no one wants to talk about Elden Ring. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to talk about it, and I don't. So, yeah. Uh, God, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good. I'm, this is why I'm glad Steam Next Fest is on, because those could distract me. You can be like, it's like, do you know when you try and distract a dog with treats? Yeah. It's like that for me. Yeah. It's like, cause I keep looking at Elderville. I'm going, like, like, I'm just going, don't look at the juicy steak. Look, have one of these, have one of these. I'm like that with like, oh, the demos are there. <laughs> That's it. You, you keep distracting me. I haven't got to get Elderville because I know I'm going to play it, play a bit of it and not carry on. So it's a waste of money at 50 quid. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not, you know, completely against its charms. I, I kind of, I look at it, I'm like, ooh, pretty graphics. I could play it for a couple of hours just to see how nice it is. <laughs> it's like, no. That was such a waste. Listen, listen, Elden Ring, listen, listen, right, sit down. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, okay? Exactly. You're lovely, okay? You will find plenty of people out there who love you for you. Not me. It's not me, unfortunately. Yeah. I'll get to a bit where it's a bit too difficult, and then I'll put it to the side. I'll play something else. I'll probably play Tetris. You, you know I've always got heart for Tetris. I can't help it, Elden Ring. I can't help it. <laughs> my first love and I've, I've never been able to let go you know that so I'm just going to let you be without the people who deserve you yeah <laughs> or something like that anyway yeah well that's a very heartfelt little speech towards the game so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like it uh, I'll shut up now right well that was a uh, I don't know how this will come out in the edit I might <clears throat> I might get rid of some of the stuff that <laughs> ranting on about Forbidden West for hours on hours but yeah, yeah, it's going to be a long one no matter what. People will never know what you got rid of. Indeed. I might get rid of this, and then people won't even know what no, I didn't... keep this bit in yeah. for the intrigue. Has he got rid of anything? Has he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That section where we <laughs> talked about that murder we did, uh, and then we cut that so that nobody would find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 so apart from that and covering up slight indiscretions, hopefully you can have a good week to come. Even if you play an Elden Ring, which is just punishing. You know, I don't know why people want to play punishing games. But there you go. I hope that you enjoy your gaming. And if you have anything that you want to talk about, we can always talk to you on the Discord, which is very active and full of good conversation. Other than that, as usual, stay safe and stay sane. Stay safe.